0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. we live.
1: This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. It's the local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us out all on Twitter. I'm at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe. Doug at Doug Branson LOH, and you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. No Doug today, he continues to travel like a madman. So this will be his third trip in just what, two weeks time.: Yeah, him and the Hornets got something in common. Yeah <laughs> they do. Doug Branson has been to Cabo. To New York for a weekend trip this past weekend, mm-hmm. and now he's heading to no, excuse me, he's heading to Cabo. He just went to Italy, as we discussed. He went to New York this past weekend, and then he's heading to Cabo. Cabo, not pleasure though; that's a business trip. That's that's still pleasure, no matter it what. It is. You're right because it's going to be what seventy it's more and pleasurable nice? than my work. I'll tell you that
0: it's not even that. Look, I, just look at the look outside. He's got great temperatures and a, probably a beach. It is
1: brutal out there right now. Yes, it is. I've been, I've been having to walk over here the last few days, and Ooh. it's it's not like it's the worst walk in the world. It's about a 12-minute, not even quite 15-minute walk, but it's so cold, and I had to walk in the sleet yesterday, Ooh. and you know what? These people down here are crazy, and I didn't realize that how well, even as much as you see people complain about the cold, I was walking with my hat on and my hoodie on, scrunched up with both hands in my pockets to have zero skin exposure except for my face to Mm -hmm. the cold. And there are people with parka jackets, but they don't have their hood up. And there are people that I, there's one person I saw running like a crazy person with no hood on. Can I guess the race? With no toboggan. Yes, you can. You would be correct. Already done. It's done. You got it. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> they're wh- they're crazy and they're white people. Just for people who didn't understand it, that probably would have been a funnier joke had I just not said the race. But if you, ca- in case you were just wondering, you're absolutely right. Yeah,
0: I, I was I was pretty sure that it was it was a bunch of white people doing this. Hey, look for, I, for shame. I'm telling. And, you. I mean, it's a repetitive thing that we kind of go through with joggers
1: around this town. I'm not. Well, I'm sitting there, bunched up, almost in borderline fetal position. If you can ima- imagine that, while I'm walking, while everybody oh no, else I is can just, imagine, while everybody else is just running, everybody else is crazy out there. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Again, we're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. A couple things I want to get to today. I remember us discussing the criticisms of Miles Bridges heading into Mm -hmm. the NBA. And again, I'm sure everybody remembers that I was not a big fan of that selection. Malik Monk, I was a big fan of that selection a couple of years ago. And so I just want to take a look at some of the weaknesses that these players had coming into the league and maybe what they've improved on specifically with those criticisms. I want to see how much they've come along since people have kind of tabbed their weaknesses and see where they are right now. Uh, Let's start off with the tanking conversation, Nada, because it is running Hornets Twitter right now. Noah Purser of Quinn. City hoops. He puts out an article out there, and it's a yeah, as as you put out there, you tweeted it out, Nada. Um, discusses all the possibilities, right? He is a fan of letting Kimball Walker walk. And we've had this conversation a million times.
0: Like we're we're, like at this point, we're tired of it. Like, I again, if it's up to us, we're not discussing this after today.
1: (laughs) Well, the the tanking conversation, I'm pretty tired of it as well. I talk about it on the wake-up call, and I get the market calls for it, right? So I understand people want to hear opinions, people want to hear this conversation, because it seems like a pretty dull moment, pretty bleak moment in Charlotte Hornets' history, certainly this season's history right now, especially after that brutal loss that you had to the Orlando Magic. A lot of people feeling like the playoff chances certainly are dwindling. We've talked about it. We feel that way. We feel the same way. That the playoff chances are dwindling, especially with Orlando's strength of schedule, the Hornets' strength of schedule, and what have you. So the tanking conversation, it is tiring, though. Like You do have to constantly talk about it, and it all hinges on Kimba Walker. And I I think it's the most complex situation—I think it's as complex a situation— With any team, I think that you can put out there in the NBA. It is a very complex
0: situation because you're dealing with a bunch of factors. One, you're dealing with the ghosts of 2011-2012, where you have a 1759 team and not get the first pick in the draft. And it was, unfortunately, a one-player star draft. I love Bradley Beal. He's not Anthony Davis. Then on top of that, you're dealing with a team with whose fan base really doesn't trust this team and is very justified in doing so. So you're talking about having a team that really just doesn't like you're talking about fan base. that doesn't believe in anything this franchise does until they actually go out and do it. So you're talking about, okay, you're going to allow us. You want us to trust you again after this last rebuild brought what it brought, which is a bunch of overladen contracts and mediocre results. So you're expecting them to go basically for a third round on this. On top of which, we always talk about, and I guess this is my big thing when we start having this tanking conversation, you do have to look at the business aspect of all of this. You're talking about a team that, for the most part, two out of the last three years, ranked 25 or lower when it comes to attendance. Now, as I have the stats right now, 2018, they ranked with 26th with 16 375 the hawks a team that was obviously tanking ranked only about a 2000 less so over an 82 game sample size that's not that many fans so what do you think is going to happen business-wise if you take away the illusion pretty much of not having again, not having the present tense of winning
1: per, per se <laughs> the illusion of winning, right? That's the Charlotte Hornets and what they've done by signing all of these veterans. You bring up Atlanta. We talked about Atlanta yesterday, That that's the second team that you're hoping, if you're a tanking fan, right? If you're a fan of your team sacrificing winning now for the future, Atlanta is the other team that you're hoping becomes the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. Because Philadelphia is the only team that tanking has worked for right now. You look at a lot of the other teams. Look, Phoenix is going to have their chance at Zion. And they've got DeAndre Ayton. I love DeAndre Ayton. I told you, it's Lucomania that's shadowing the Mm -hmm. efforts of DeAndre over there in Phoenix. But the guy's awesome. He is an awesome basketball player. I love it. If If you get Zion and DeAndre and have Devin Booker, then that's a good trio that you have to look towards the future. Devin Booker was drafted 13th overall. Yeah. And this is what I keep coming back to, right? It's having those double-digit selections hit on. You look at some of the best players in the NBA, you've got your LeBron James, who is number 1, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis. It's certainly a slimmer margin for error as soon as you go down, and I get that. But you also have Giannis, who mm-hmm. was 15. You have Kawhi Leonard, who was 15. You have Paul George, who was 10th overall. And those are among the best players in the league as well. I'm, I'm not saying that you find better players at 15 over 1. I'm saying it's certainly it's not that it's crazy rare. It's hard. Don't get me wrong, but it's not crazy rare. And so I've been operating with this entire conversation as far as it considers itself to the Charlotte Hornets. I've been operating mostly at the point that the Hornets are keeping Kemba Walker. Yeah, Maybe my radio side is kind of being compromised here because the big thing in radio, right, is have an opinion, don't suck. That's that's what I've been Oh, telling. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have an opinion, don't suck. I've been dodging opinions on whether I want this Hornets t- team to tank or not. That's just how I've been operating. And yeah. it take it or leave it, right? I can understand if you hate it. I can understand if you don't mind the conversation. I've just been begging the questions, right? As far as what I, I've been operating, just for my own health and talking about the Charlotte Hornets, I've been operating at the point that the Hornets are going to keep Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. I was. I did have an opinion on trying to trade for Marcus Saul. If you were going to keep him, again, that's been my basis – The Hornets have obviously shown that they want to keep Kimba Walker. So at the trade deadline, I thought if you want to lighten up the protection a little bit and go after Marcus All, because Kimba is in your long-term plans, then I think that would have been the right move. Don't sell the farm. Don't sell the young assets. We had a middle ground to be reached here, but I thought that was a move that I would have done, going after Marcus All, lightening up the protection a little bit. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world if Kimba Walker walks.
0: No, it's not. It's you're, a natural It's a natural break point for everybody.
1: You're not going to have... The, it's, it's a point where Kimba leaves and you are going to get a better draft pick. But my thing is, the contracts to me are what's to blame because it's really tough to lose badly enough to get the kind of selection you want with all of these veterans on the roster. So tanking is supposed to get you a top five pick. Atlanta, we'll use as another example here, Atlanta is a good example of how in the hell Are there four or five worst teams in the league worse than Atlanta? You know, that's a team that is tanking, and we think that's going to be a product of tanking, but there are four teams worse than them. And so if you're looking to be that bad and get a fifth overall selection, okay, fifth is a good pick. But you're willing to go all through all that just to get the fifth overall selection? You know, I can see both sides of the argument. But to me, unless you're in the mix of being in that 14% for the three top picks, right? The three top, the three mm-hmm. worst teams each have a 14% chance of landing the number one overall pick. And unless you're landing in that spot, or at least in contention, I don't think the Hornets would have been in contention as bad to be as Phoenix and some of these other bad bottom-dwelling Chicago teams like that. I agree with
0: that because if you take Kemba off this roster, then you're still going to have, like, organizations tank, players don't. And the thing about, and I guess the misnomer about Atlanta, and I speak to Brad Rowland, who's who's the host of Locked on Hawks and fellow Dime Rider, they're not really tanking. They're trying to develop, and there's a way to do that, and I think— that's why Borrego was hired, just in, in the rare case that they did, in fact, try to get rid of Kemba Walker or they t- tried to trade him if things were going to go that badly. But how the Hawks are doing this are doing this with a lot of young guys, but a lot not a lot of big contracts and not a lot of guys, like you're saying. The, the only big contracts on that team is Bazemore and what was Jeremy Lin. Otherwise, right. you're dealing with young guys and guys like Dwayne Dedman Guys that are looking to make impacts. That's a completely different roster than one that we have right now.
1: It's just, it, it's just. If you let Kimba go, if you would have traded him, right? If this organization would have gone with the aspiration of reloading, trading him, getting as many assets as you possibly can, and flipping that into a tank job, then fine, I would have been happy with the assets, and it would have sucked to see Kimba go, but it would have been better for the future of this team. Whatever, I, I would have been okay with that. I thought that there were some problems, just as there, as there is with tanking but I I would have been fine. Now what you've done is is Mitch Kupchak has shown, right, if he didn't want to trade him as soon as he got this job, if there were no intentions of Kimba Walker getting traded, right, everybody sought after Kimba at the deadline, said, hey, is there anything happening here? Mitch Kupchak shut him down. That means they are going to go after Kimba Walker. It, it would make zero sense if you shut down people at the trade deadline and even in the offseason, trying to trade for Kimba just to let him walk this summer. No, it doesn't. It, so we ha- to see. Right. So we have to operate with Mitch Kupchak wanting to keep Kimba Walker here. Letting him walk I don't think is here anymore because letting him walk would have been – the same thing as trading him except now you're not going to get any assets. So if we want to clown that move, if we want to criticize that then fine, but they are going to stick with with Kemba Walker here. So I think the best thing to do would have been to get a Marcus all at that point and then operate as trying to make the playoffs. And now we're trying to ask is is it the worst thing in the world if they miss the playoffs? Sure, you get a better pick, but No, least- I actually think
0: it does. I think it is. What I would say though is that this is a credibility issue at this point. With this team, that's where they're at. Their entire like Mitch's credibility. They've the only thing that's been coming out of that building has been playoffs or bust, pretty much. For what since they've been there, playoffs or bust. Brago said it. Playoffs or bust. Jordan said it. Playoffs or bust. If you're trying to establish credibility that this is a new day, then you have to you have to make the playoffs. Like anything less than a playoff appearance. And we've talked about it yesterday. There's a significant financial difference, and that matters for one of the poor billionaires. And I understand that's an oxymoron, poor billionaires. But one of the like lower revenue-generating franchises, that matters more than the 13th, the 14th pick in the draft. That matters a lot, and I don't think we pay attention to that nearly enough when we start talking about tanking and things like that. So – There's a lot on the line for this team going forward in terms of credibility, because if they don't, then you're going back to the days. And I know you remember this, Walker, where Gerald Wallace was traded out of the building after he was told, no, we're not trading you at all. And remember that kind of riff and a lot of those fans that left when Gerald Wallace got traded haven't been back since.
1: Yeah, and having the chance, thinking that tanking is the only way out of this. It is going to be tough to get a second star out of Kimba Walker, but having tanking, thinking that tanking is the only way out of this, I disagree with that because what you could do, right, is you could keep Kimba Walker, you could sign him to the long-term deal, and then just wait. Is the waiting game, that's something that nobody's talking about. It's either you sell or... Or you buy. That's the only thing that people are. What if you just? What if you just chill? You know, like what if you just? What if you? Of course, you're buying Kimba. But what if you just wait and then you? Wait, can, wait, wait.
0: Are you? Are you trying to take a nuanced take on this thing?
1: I, I, I'm telling you that. What if you just pay Kimba Walker's money? Mm-hmm. It's it, and I. I think that is risky. Don't get me wrong. It, you, we've seen John Wall and how badly that's ended up for Washington. I get all that. But let's say that you pay Kimba Walker and then you don't. And you just have to wait for these contracts to continue to go out, right? So Marvin, he's only got one more year left if he opts in. I don't think he's going to opt out and then try to take a longer deal. So assuming he opts in, Mm -hmm. you have one more year left on his. You have one more year left on Bismack. You have one more year left on MKG. So you're getting $40 million cleared once once the, the season is over. So if you wait... And then you have Kimball Walker as your all-star, and then you have a lot more cap space. Maybe you can end up like a team we've talked about, maybe like the Indiana Pacers or one of these other small market teams. Maybe you end up like a Portland. I understand that they have two stars, where CJ McCollum has even had a bad year this year. But maybe you end up like a team that can put together the right pieces through free agency, and also you still have your first-round draft pick. And eventually, it always comes down to hitting on your draft picks, whether it's late. Look at Denver. I don't think Denver went through this huge tank job. When they traded Carmelo Anthony, they got back veterans. They got back Wilson Chandler. They got back. They made the playoffs. Danilo Gallinari when they traded Carmelo Anthony. But you know what? Later on, very late on, they hit on Nikola Jokic. And Nikola Jokic was a second-round pick. It all it, it takes hitting on these later guys, whether it's 10th or later. It takes hitting on those guys. And the Charlotte Hornets have to find a way to do that, or else this is going to be the Charlotte Hornets that we constantly discuss. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I want to take a look at the guys they already drafted. I want to take a look at how Miles Bridges and Malik Monk have both gotten better during their small tenure with the Charlotte Hornets. It's LOH here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: Hmm. So here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prepping for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you
1: yeah, listening right to? That's a little scary if, if you don't have the context. If you walk in and you start hearing that, yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't yeah, either. No, it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. We were discussing our favorite transitions yesterday. I think we got the on wax one. Like there's different subtleties that are that make each one of those transitions great. The on-wax one is your seriousness is, guys, I'm telling you, I apologize, but I just can't tell you on-wax right now. I just can't do that. And you were so serious that we were going to be offended, that we were going to be angry that you couldn't tell us on-wax, and Doug had no clue even what it meant. The subtlety in that one is at the beginning, when we hear the LaMarcus Aldridge press conference, yep. Doug's high-pitched laugh at the beginning. Just as soon You hear it a million times doing the show, but the the high-pitched Doug laugh that is so faint at the beginning of that drop. That's the one where that's the subtlety of that one. That makes it so great.
0: Uh, again, it's another Branson, classic Branson moment.
1: It, like, it, it really is. Doug Branson's got them, man. And he comes up with all of those. And they are fan- They really are. I-, I love those things. And there's
0: more coming, too, apparently. Oh, does Doug got some for us? Doug has some. Like, he's already
1: picking new ones out. I know that much. All right, that'll be great. I can't wait to hear him. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For just as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on go to patreon.com/loh. I want to take a look at the young prospects the Charlotte Hornets already do have. A lot of people are looking ahead to maybe what you'll be selecting in the first round. Hornets look like they're going to be selecting right inside the lottery, right outside the lottery, right? It's going to be very close. 15-16, yeah. They're going to be teetering on whatever selection it's going to be. 14, 15, 16, maybe 13, whatever. We're we're going to see about the same selection. A couple of 11th overall uh, picks that they've had so far. We'll see where the Hornets are picking. But I want to look at the past couple of 11th overall selections that they've had Mm -hmm. malik monk miles bridges of course traded sga for miles bridges but you get the point yeah technically miles is 12 so you look at miles bridges i want to talk about him first just because he's the most recent Mm -hmm. so i think one of the big criticisms about miles bridges heading into this season was his lack of trips to the free throw line because we talked about it he doesn't go often no and that's a dude that was kind of a bull. In college, and you see him, he's still got that body type, crazy athletic, but strong. You know, yeah. mean, it, it's somebody that is has a wide base. He's a big boy, Miles exactly, Bridges. Exactly. Hits. He's he's a three he's a combo two, three, four. He's a classic wing. You would think with that comes a decent amount of free throw attempts. And you look at where Miles is right now on just personal fouls drawn. So you look up that stat, right? Just personal fouls drawn per 36 minutes. Miles Bridges with the Charlotte Hornets right now ranks 15th just in front of Dwayne Bacon and Joe Cheely, who have accomplished any kind of stat in that regard. Yikes. So, for 36 minutes, and this is a guy, again, he's appeared in 55 games played. Miles Bridges only draws 1.4 fouls per, per 36 minutes. Now, it's not the world's perfect stat, but it's the best one we got, right? It's, it's one where That's- you can go... It's, it's one where you can maybe, if you go through per 100 possessions, then there's loose ball fouls and stuff yeah. like that, maybe make it inaccurate. But per 36 minutes, Miles Bridges is 15th on the team at 1.4 fouls drawn in that given time. You look at what he did in college, and I couldn't find a per fouls drawn stat when you just look at college, but we can look at his free throw attempts. And per 40 minutes, he only attempted four free throws a game with michigan state and we knew this right this is something that we already knew heading in per 100 possessions miles bridges attempted six free throws but per 40 minutes miles bridges attempted 4.1 and that was each of the years that he was with michigan state you look at a guy just comparing him like malik who is quite the opposite body build yeah of miles bridges miles bridges i feel like eat eats malik monks for breakfast and so you have malik monk his free throw attempts per game, per 100 possessions, it was eight, and it was almost two more per 40 minutes. And that's a guy that's, again, he was attacked, right? He would attack the glass, He would as far as the paint, I should say. He would attack the basket, but also he shot a lot of three-pointers. He had 8.6 attempts from three per 40 minutes in college, So and he was still getting two more attempts per game from the free throw line. Malik Bunk is a guy that I don't think should be getting more fouls drawn than a Miles Bridges. So now you look at just some of the criticism that we had for Miles. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more than half a season. We're two-thirds of the way through the NBA season. But it doesn't seem like Miles has improved upon that part of his game as much. I would agree with that. The one
0: thing I would point out with Miles, and this is something that I know me and you have discussed since the summer with Miles, his foot speed in terms of getting to the basket and attacking the basket it's not great if he got better at that i think he would be i think it's a little bit of cleaning up his handle as well as attacking the basket a little bit better he'll draw more fouls now of course there's also the part that i think we would be kind of disingenuous not to bring up which is talking about the fact that he is a rookie, and rookies generally do not generate that many foul calls. Well,
1: and and another thing that is important to look at, and something I should, is the usage rate, right? Because usage rate affects this. You look at the usage rate of Miles in college, it was at 27%. Um, it was roughly at about 27%, 26%. And then you look at his usage rate in the NBA, I think it's at about 15, if I'm not mistaken. Right, it's Which at, is high for him. It, it isn't bad, you know, especially for a rookie. It, it's at 15%. So the more usage rate, you would expect, you're, you're hoping more usage as the mm-hmm. guy develops into what you're hoping to be a star, hoping to be a very good player. And so that usage percentage would go up, and the pe- fouls drawn would go up. But again, even at that rate, the, the fouls drawn per 36 minutes even on a usage rate like that being 15th on the team you would certainly like to see something a little bit better
0: yeah exactly and the funny the funny thing about it is it's a lot of this is going to get cleaned up this summer I'm pretty sure because he's going to probably do something similar to what Malik did last year probably come in like, take two weeks off, go to L.A., go do what he has to do, and then he's going to come right back in the summer. Depending on if Kemba's here or not, there will be that nice little Kemba summer camp that we all know Peak Welly will tweet out. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to clean up a lot of his mistakes. The biggest thing is, though, for him, he just needs to improve that jumper. If he gets consistent from three, you're going to see that, that foul number skyrocket because then the drive opens up for him a little bit more. Yeah. Then the passes. is open up for him a little more then he can attack the basket better a lot of this is going to be figured out and handled when it comes to his jump shot and once he gets that cleaned up I think it'll open up his game a whole lot more
1: one stat I want to look at for both of these guys defense is a very tough Thing to measure right yes. especially just statistically there's no stat that is absolutely perfect in measuring defense especially when you get them dwindled down by trying to look at their stats in college in measuring defense but it seems like the box plus minus that is one that is regularly lose used I should say mm-hmm. by a lot of people so you look at Miles Bridges his defensive box plus minus in college it ranked at a 4.1 it was almost a five as freshman year and it was almost a four it was a three and a half in his sophomore year and you look at what he's done in the NBA I think just the eye test here more using it you can look at what he's done in the NBA his defensive box plus minus is actually a point .3 and so okay it's tough to kind of take that into consideration Bismack leads the team at two and a half
0: really I, that's that's a surprise I thought it would be
1: Marvin Well, Marvin actually is at a point .3 as well even though I feel like he has helped out a lot just in communication this is where the eye test comes in mm-hmm. I do feel like one thing we've seen Miles improve on a decent amount is help defense he used to just rely on his athleticism oh I'm late on this I'm just going to jump out of the gin and swat it away but now I think you do start to see him recognize oh shit I need to be over here very quickly yeah and I think that has actually resonated with him still a long way to go for sure but I think you've seen him improve.
0: absolutely because the big thing that he messes up on a lot and he causes a lot of defensive breakdowns is he's bad on closeouts. Like, when we start talking about being a defender, being a guy that you can rely on to close games because you're not going to make that many mistakes, he's got to get better at closeouts because there are a lot of times he'll take the wrong angle on a closeout, guard will go right by him because, again, his foot speed on defense is probably worse than his foot speed on offense. And when when they blow right by him, it's a breakdown and usually leads to penetrate and kick for an open three because you have so many defensive liabilities out there.
1: And so when you look at Malik Monk and what he did, we all know what his deficiency was. It was defense, right? That and him
0: just actually, you know, trying out there.
1: (laughs) Well, and on the defensive side, because he was going to get his shots. He was going to try. He was a good playmaker in college. That was the one thing I thought was undersung with him coming out of college was his ability to pass the basketball. And we all know this, right? We all know how highly I think of that specific part of his game. But you look at what his defensive box plus minus was in. College, it was a 1.3, which is not good. When you're looking at a (laughs) lottery pick in college, you look at what he's doing in the NBA, it's atrocious. It's three and a half his first year. It's right at 3.1 his second year, negative, I should say, negative three and a half and negative 3.1 both years with an average of negative 3.3. So he's pretty much stayed the exact same as far as his defense and the numbers. It seems like we got a month. Right. Yeah. So there's not enough sample size for it to really affect his defensive box plus minus this season. But I feel like in that run where he was doing well offensively, he was being left out there because also he was actually giving some effort and doing better on the defensive side of the ball.
0: The one thing that young players don't do enough of, and I've noticed this, is they don't know how to use their length or sometimes lack of length. Where Malik needs to make up for it is that his foot speed is very, very, very good. And his, as long as his footwork remains tight, he can be at least a competent defender. So that's something that he's going to have to work on. And as he grows up, as he matures, as he watches more film, as he knows what he's looking for, then he'll get better at this. But it's just going to take a lot of time when it comes to the fact that, yes, he's young. And yes, you actually have to try. And as long as he tries, I think he'll be okay. I yeah, think.
1: Yeah. And, and again, maybe turnovers was something that you looked at as well from Malik Monk. He had 3.3 per 100 possessions in college. And you look at what he's done in the NBA, his turnover percentage just to the advanced stat that they have, it's at about at 10.9. E- he needs to clean up the turnovers. He needs to clean up the turnovers. We've talked about it. Dribbling down in the paint kind of loses it. And, and- a lot, a lot of, a lot of Malik stuff is detail stuff though.
0: And that's the one thing though. It's just clamping down on the details and if he ever clamps down on the details, he'll at least be a start, a
1: solid rotation guy. Right. And right now, he's a liability. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with a third segment. thought it would be interesting to take a look at just how those guys have improved in areas that we were questioning heading in to the NBA. And we'll talk about some things that maybe you can look forward to with Kimball Walker before he leaves us this offseason, if you are about that life. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And I'm, but,
0: I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. Which What kind of Chex Mix? Savory, it was a savory Chex Mix. There's you're a an, lot you're, of cheese going on in that oh, Chex Mix. You're an
1: expert on Chex Mix, correct, right? Well, on I, just I'm, trail mix? I'm
0: very particular about my trail mix. I'm what not as particular, particular about, about my Chex, Chex Mix.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Big thanks to Chris Kroger, tweeting out some stats for us to read off to you here today on the podcast. Kimba Walker, career best totals for single season. Chris Kroger actually lets us know what he needs to surpass some of his career best totals with about 25 games left to go in the NBA season. So he needs 1,830 points to surpass his career best, and that would mean he averages 16 and a half points per game the rest of the way, going to get it.
0: Yeah, that, that's light work.
1: So Kimball like Walker is going to surpass that. The assist is going to be tough. I don't think he's going to get this one, especially with the Hornets needing to depend on Kimba Walker scoring the basketball. He could always play the right way. He could, like he did in the All-Star game, but Doug Branson would have an objection to that. So now you can look at the assist. He needs 471. That's going to be a little over six assists that he needs per game. Needs 152 total to pass that. I don't think he's going to be able to get
0: it. No, he's not getting that one. The rebounds one, though, Like, he's going to average a whole bunch of really high marks. Granted, in a free agency year, which is exactly when you want to do it. So, props to Kemba for securing the bag on this one. He's going to have a career year in his walk year. And I, like, I know we were talking about tanking early and trading Kemba and this, this, that, and the third. At the same time, for all the moments that Kemba Walker has given us, how many of y'all would really trade all the moments going for 60, doing like being the all-star starter how many of those are y'all trading for tanking this season like honestly again you can hit me up on twitter i won't even block and argue with you
1: yeah you've been nice on twitter you've done a couple of nice things on twitter here recently i don't know is somebody running your account i don't think that's i don't have that.
0: i don't have that kind of money Uh, well
1: I, i think somebody might have hacked your account just to lead you on and make sure that people deem you a nicer person you've been better on Charlotte hornet's twitter
0: I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying a new approach. I'm trying to spread the love. That's what I'm trying to do
1: right now. Kimba Walker needs 109 to beat his personal best of 357. That would be 4.3 rebounds per game. That's certainly attainable. That is. For Kimba Walker. 240. Is his career best? He needs 54 to beat that. That's easy. That's 2.1 three pointers a game. He certainly could get that. Oh, as that's well. easy. That, that's the one I'm pretty sure he's, he's making. One, the points is probably the easiest one because yeah. he's, he's at, and I think I misread that earlier. So, 1,830 is his career best. He needs 409. That would calculate out to about 16 and a half points per game, which that's the easy one. That's the one that you can bet the mortgage on besides the injury coming in less. So, you look at free throws. 371 is his career best. He needs 119, so that's at about 4.8 free throws per game, and that seems certainly doable for Kimba. It certainly looks like he's going to get that one. He's going to get that one as well. We are seeing a special season from a special Charlotte Hornets basketball player. He is going to go mm-hmm. down. He already is. But he's certainly he's going to make it to where there's not even a question, right? That it's Kimba Walker. People will still try to argue. And trust I me, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't know if they'll have a leg to stand on. And I like. I think Kimball Walker is the best. You mm-hmm. heard the fantastic thirty top thirty Hornets list of all time earlier this season before it started. And I had Kimball Walker as the number one guy. And I feel like most people had come around to it. But if you still wanted to argue something, like maybe you had a leg to stand on, but I don't think Kimba Walker is going to give you anything. After this season, and certainly if he resigns, there's one no can
0: hope that they don't give us anything to argue. Like, I can just at this point, it's been over, it's been over ever since he did that against LeBron and them and scored, got the record. Like it's been over
1: since then, and I think even this year, because at that point when we named him the best hornet of all time, he was only a two-time All Star, and even this year, putting up that kind of season where he does score sixty, where he does average as many as he's ever average as many points as he's ever averaged in his career, when he is an All Star starter, and you get that third one under your belt, I think that solidifies it as much as anything, because that's a big accolade that you look at for best Charlotte Hornets of all time. The postseason success, it's just not there. And it's who, not going to come again, again.
0: Who's got the postseason success as a Charlotte Hornet? Yeah, really, it, think it's, about that. It's
1: nobody outside of the second round. I'm with you. And so that's why it's not... I mean, if, th- if there was a time where, let's say, a Zoe led them to the Eastern Conference Finals, then maybe you would have a better argument. But you're right. Nobody has done that. There's not a whole lot of history, certainly going deep into the playoffs. Kimba Walker has been the best basketball player in franchise history, and we're seeing his best season. That's pretty cool.
0: And if we're keeping the buck, if we're talking about postseason success, remember, Kemba Walker showed up for that game six, the, the purple shirt guy game. No one else really did outside of Al Jefferson. His teammates failed him.
1: Constant narrative. <laughs> the only thing I wish is that purple shirt guy did not show up for that game. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Oh,
0: yeah, boy. See you guys.